This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. My name is Alex Benfanti. Welcome to part three of our series on the doctrines of Roman Catholicism. In this episode, we are going to discuss the Roman Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation, and then we're going to offer a biblical response. Why devote a whole episode to the concept of transubstantiation? If this Roman Catholic doctrine can be proven false from Scripture, the entire Roman Catholic system ought to collapse. The heart of the Roman Catholic system is the Eucharist, the sacrifice of the Mass, whereby Christ comes down body and soul into the elements of bread and wine, and he is offered up again as a sacrificial victim for the sins of man. However, if it can be proven from Scripture that when Christ said, this is my body, he did not mean it literally, but figuratively, then there is no sacrifice of the Mass. Christ does not come down bodily from the throne. The bread remains bread. The wine is just wine. And the Roman Catholic Church is guilty of committing gross idolatry by worshiping an idol of their own making. So, what is transubstantiation? The Roman Catholic Church teaches that during the sacrifice of the Mass, the bread and the wine are transformed into the same Jesus of Nazareth who offered himself on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. The Roman Catholic Church anathematizes, or damns, anyone who denies that the actual body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ, are in the elements of bread and wine. I'll quote from the Council of Trent, Session 13, Chapter 8, Canon 1. If anyone denies that in the sacrifice of the Most Holy Eucharist, are contained truly, really, and substantially the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and consequently the whole Christ, but says that he is only therein as in a sign or in figure or virtue, let him be anathema. According to the Roman Catholic Church, if you deny that the bread is the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, you are damned. Where did they get this idea that Christ is really and truly present in the elements? Primarily in two instances, from John 6 and from the Last Supper. I want to briefly look at both of those instances to prove that Jesus was not speaking literally, but figuratively. But before we look at John 6, it is important to note that Jesus often used figurative language in John's gospel. Chapter 2, verse 19. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 3.7. You must be born again. 4.14. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. 6.35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes will never thirst. 7.38. He who believes in me from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. 8.12, I am the light of the world. 10.7, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. 10.11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 11.25, 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. 1246, I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. 15.1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. There's much more we could look at. That's just a small handful of the ways in which Jesus spoke figuratively. What's interesting to note, however, is that Jesus says in John 6.25, These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. Jesus clearly tells his disciples that much of what he's been teaching has been in figurative language. An hour is coming when he will speak plainly. With that in mind, let's go back to John 6. A proper reading of the immediate context of John 6 makes Jesus' words in verses 53 to 56 unmistakably figurative. Jesus' words in John 6 consistently call for faith. Verse 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Verse 35, he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Verse 40, everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Verse 47, he who believes has eternal life. Clearly, believing in Jesus is equivalent to to receiving eternal life. And then we come to the passage that Roman Catholics decided to take literally, verses 53 to 56. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Roman Catholics will say that Jesus was speaking literally in this moment. They defend their assertion by saying that there is no attempt from Jesus to correct their misinterpretation of his words. But they can say that until they are blue in the face. But the plain fact is that he does correct their woodenly literal interpretation of of his words, and he tells them that he was speaking in spiritual terms. In verse 63, Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Jesus clearly tells them to understand his words in their spiritual sense. Eating his flesh profits nothing. Christ's words are easily understood if they are taken as he intended them. Compare verse 47, which says, He who believes has eternal life, with verse 54, He who eats my flesh has eternal life. To eat is to believe. Augustine once wrote, For what purpose do you prepare teeth and stomach? Believe, and you have eaten. Any attempt to make this a physical eating of Christ's actual body completely misses the point. Peter understood what Jesus meant. Verse 69, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
In Matthew 15, 11, Jesus said, It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles the man. When Peter asked Jesus to explain what he meant, he said, Are you still lacking in understanding also? Verse 17, Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. What physically goes into your mouth does not defile you, nor does it make you righteous. God looks at the heart. If you believe from your heart Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Physically eating something profits nothing. Okay, let's go on to number two, the Lord's Supper. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1323, reads as follows. At the Last Supper, on the night he was betrayed, our Savior instituted the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and blood. This he did in order to perpetuate the sacrifice of the cross. So, according to the Roman Catholic Church, Jesus instituted the sacrifice of the Eucharist at the Last Supper. Thus, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that the Last Supper was a real sacrifice. The bread was the actual body of Christ, and the wine was his blood. According to Rome, the disciples apparently knew that they were literally drinking his blood. Well, is all that true? Let's look at Luke 22, verses 14 to 20. We're going to see that there are several things in this passage which make the idea of transubstantiation absurd. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. Okay, let's pause here for a moment to make an observation. Christ takes the cup, gives thanks, and gives it to his disciples to drink from it. And he says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. The Roman Catholic Church would have us believe that they were literally drinking his blood, since this is supposedly the institution of the Eucharist. But Jesus almost exaggerates the fact that it is just wine by saying the fruit of the vine. Let's keep reading, starting in verse 19. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. The Roman Catholic Church will cry out a thousand times and say, See, Jesus says, this is my body. We must take it literally. But look at what Jesus says about the cup. He says, this cup is the new covenant. Clearly, that cup or the wine in it is not literally the new covenant. The wine is a symbol of Christ's blood, which he is about to shed, which would inaugurate the new covenant. 
There is no need to invent complicated theories to explain away the obvious. Christ spoke figuratively. This is clearly not the sacrifice of the Roman Catholic Mass, which they claim was inaugurated at this moment. This is a table for feasting and remembrance, not an altar of sacrifice. Christ asked to be remembered for what he is about to do, not to be sacrificed on the Roman Catholic altar. This next point is crucial. It is significant that the new covenant had not yet been inaugurated. And so Jesus and his disciples were still operating under the old covenant law, which expressly forbids the drinking of blood. In Leviticus 17.11, it says, Any man from the house of Israel or from the aliens who sojourn among them, who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. Eating blood was forbidden for the Israelite under the old covenant. The author of Hebrews informs his readers that a covenant is not ratified unless the death of the one who made it has taken place. Hebrews 9, 16-17 For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead. For it is never in force while the one who made it lives. Since Jesus had not yet died, and the new covenant had not yet been inaugurated, and since they were still operating under the old covenant, if Jesus was speaking literally, then Jesus told the disciples to do something which God's law explicitly forbids, and they are all guilty of transgressing God's law. And you would expect the disciples to react dramatically against the idea of literally drinking blood, which would have been considered unclean. In Acts 10, God had told Peter three times that it's okay for him to eat what was considered unclean in the Old Covenant. Peter kept refusing. His conscience wouldn't allow him. In Acts 15, the apostles command the Gentiles to abstain from eating blood for the sake of the Hebrew conscience. So, the Hebrew conscience was primed to react dramatically against any idea of eating or drinking what was unclean. There are significant problems if we take Jesus' words literally. But if Jesus spoke figuratively, there is no problem. We remember what Christ accomplished on the cross 2,000 years ago. We will conclude with this final point. According to the Code of Canon Law, Canon 898, the Second Vatican Council teaches that the faithful Roman Catholics are to, quote, hold the Eucharist in highest honor, worshiping it with supreme adoration and with the same worship of latria or adoration that we offer to God. The Roman Catholic must give the same worship to the bread that they would offer to God. This becomes sheer idolatry when we conclude that Jesus is not literally in the elements. He spoke figuratively. The Roman Catholic Church demands that a created thing be worshipped as God is worshipped. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Much like when Israel made a golden calf and said, This is the God who delivered you from Egypt. The Roman Catholic Church has made a God after the image of some created thing and said, This is your God who delivers you. Well, 
There's much more that could be said, but thank you for joining us again on this episode. Join us next time. God bless.